Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Central Wired podcast, and thanks for listening in. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwired.com or on Facebook and Instagram. We hope this week's message meets you right where you're at. Enjoy. What's up, everybody? Listen, we miss y'all so much. But we're so glad you decided to spend part of your weekend with us. Listen, this is your first time, your first time in a long time, wherever you may be worshiping all over the world, tuning in. We're so glad you're hanging with us. Quick story, everybody. A girl runs home to her mother crying. I can't marry Joe. He's an atheist. He doesn't believe in God or Jesus or anything. <laughs> don't worry, honey, said the mom. But, but, but mom, you don't understand. He doesn't even believe in hell. Don't worry, the mom said again. You marry this guy? and we'll convince him. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it it is so easy to try to encourage people, friends, and loved ones not to worry when they're in the midst of seemingly stressful and impossible situations. But when you're in the middle of them, (laughs) it can be really hard to do. Like when you got the call saying you're being laid off or let go from work and you don't have any other income lined up. Or when your husband and your wife after five, 15, 25 years of marriage says seemingly out of nowhere, I'm done, I want out. When every day when you go to work, you're literally risking your life because you're a healthcare worker or an essential salesperson on the front lines dealing with people who have, who have the coronavirus. Or, or, or when you get that call in the middle of the night that your parent or your adult child has been rushed to the hospital, you're clear on the other side of the state of the country, the details around their ailment is sketchy, and you can't even be by their side right now because of COVID-19. Am I talking to any real people this weekend? You see, it's easy to try to encourage people, friends and loved ones, not to worry. But when you're in the middle of some real stuff, walking that out, can be really hard to do. And and if I can have a real moment with you for a second, how many of you guys, be honest, you struggle with worry? And particularly in this climate of unprecedented uncertainty, your worry and your anxiety about your present and your future outlook is going into overdrive right now. Is that you? It's okay, You, you can be honest, it's just us. Well, listen, if that's true about you, whoever you may be, wherever you may be all over the world, we just want you to know that we see you, we feel you, And we believe the Lord has you joining us at just the right time as we are right in the middle of, I believe, a very timely series called Unshakable. And everybody, our goal here is to help you see that though the happenings all around you may leave you surprised and shocked, they do not have to leave you shaken because you know how to rest in the hands of an unshakable God. This weekend, I want to dive into what it looks like for us to worship through worry worship through worry. And today we're going to start off our time. Uh, We find Jesus sharing to a multitude of people from an excerpt of his Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount, everybody, was the most famous sermon that Jesus ever gave, and, and perhaps the most famous sermon ever given by anyone. It was also, everybody, Jesus's longest sermon that he ever gave, as it takes up all of chapter five, six, and seven of the book of Matthew. Now, when I researched that, I thought, you know, Jesus preached a real long sermon, and, you know, if he could go two and three hours in a row preaching without a bathroom break, I should be able to preach at least 55 minutes straight to y'all. I'm just joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Don't click me off, please. I'm just just joking. But in the middle of uh, this Sermon on the Mount, everybody, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, he says, that is why I tell you 
not to worry about everyday life. I'm going to say it again. Matthew 6, 25 says, Jesus said, not Pastor Dave said, not Pastor Ray said, not Donald Trump said, Jesus said. This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Somebody say worry. That word worry, everybody, in the Greek literally is the marinado. It's the marinado. And, and that word uh, worry literally means to be anxious about. That word worry literally means to care. That word worry, everybody, literally means to take thought. And what Jesus is communicating is, listen, I don't want you to be anxious about everyday life. I don't want you to care about your everyday life. I don't want you to take thought on your everyday life. Now, is Jesus saying that I don't want you to be concerned? I don't want you to ever think about your problems or anything like that. That's not what he's saying. But what he is saying is, I don't want you to be so anxious and care about that so much and take so many thoughts about your issues or your problems that you're paralyzed from being productive. So he says, listen, uh, I don't want you to worry, uh, to be anxious, to care, to take thought. He goes on to say, whether you have enough to, uh, food to drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't your life more than food and your body more than clothing? He says, look at the birds of the, uh, of the air. They, 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 don't, they don't store in barns. Or they don't plant. They don't harvest. Uh, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him? than they are. Look at verse 27. This is amazing. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? I want to illustrate for you guys what this looks like uh, when we worry too much. A lot of times we take things up into our lives because we're so worried about it. We take things like, uh, man, you know, do I, do I have enough money? Am I going to be able to survive? Do I, am I going to get this COVID-19 virus because this thing is killing people. Man, am I enough? I mean, it, am I going to be enough for the people in my life? Or what about my career? I mean, I'm unemployed right now. I got all this stuff going on. Uh, uh, man, man, can I trust? Uh, oh, my God. Can I trust these people in my life? And I don't know if y'all can see this picture, but this is what our lives look like many times when we purposely take these thoughts and we ang and we just angst over them and, and we care too much. And everybody, uh, can, can I tell you, uh, uh, in order to successfully worry, and a lot of us are real good about worrying about things that we have absolutely no control over. In order for us to successfully worry, we got to willingly embrace these things in our life and have them there and keep them there and hold on to them. And, and, and look how crowded our life is. When we got all this stuff in our life, we don't have any room for anything else emotionally. I, I can't love my wife the way I want to love her because I'm worried about all this other stuff in my life. I can't embrace my kids in my life because I got all of this stuff, all this other stuff in my life. I, I really can't worship God the way I can worship him in spirit and in truth because I'm so preoccupied with all of this other stuff that's weighing me down. And Jesus is literally like, baby, look at what you're doing to yourself. You're overwhelming yourself with stuff that, quite honestly, you can't handle. You're willingly holding on. It's about to knock me down. You're willingly putting things into your life that literally don't fit and don't belong there. Oh. Yeah. It, it, it's to the point to where we fret over stuff. And Jesus says those things that we fret about won't add a single moment to our life. But can I tell you, everybody... Actually, the opposite is true. Those things may not add 
a single moment to our life, but they can certainly take from our life. You do know not only emotionally uh, does worry damage us, but it also can worry us, uh, damage us physically. You know, worry can cause health problems such as loss of appetite, an inability to sleep, um, poor job performance, everybody. And, and if worry persists, we can get into stuff like um, dizziness, uh, rapid heartbeat, fatigue, headaches, the inability to concentrate, uh, irritability, muscle tension, nausea, nervous energy, shortness of breath, and everybody, it can get so bad to where if we continue to excessively worry, we can experience suppression of our immune system, short-term memory loss, heart attack. Worrying can even lead everybody to depression and suicidal thoughts. And so as you looked at this list, I wonder if any of this is familiar to you guys. Some of you guys, this may be literally looking right in the mirror as I laid a bunch of this stuff out for you. Everybody, can I tell you, the world has a way of uh, labeling these, this thing called worry that Jesus talks about clinically. They, they have clinical labels for what excessive worry and anxiety looks like. I'll give you a few. Um, have you ever heard of generalized anxiety disorder or social anxiety, uh, panic disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder? How about PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder? And everybody, I want to be perfectly clear when I say this to you. Everybody, I'm not here to debate the scientific validity of these clinical terms. But what I am suggesting, however, is what if some of our issues that we're struggling with as it pertains to worry is less of a clinical issue and more of a spiritual issue? Can I say to you guys that Jesus uh, also has a small list of how he classifies what, what worry is. He has his labels. Uh, in Matthew 6, chapter 30, Jesus identifies worry as having a lack of faith. In Matthew 6, chapter 32, Jesus classifies worrying as us being an unbeliever. And again, I'm not here to debate the scientific validity of the clinical terms uh, of the world. I hope you hear that. But everybody, what I am suggesting, however, is, is it possible that a major struggle for you in worrying is less of a clinical issue and more of a spiritual issue. Verse 27 says, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And I will submit to you guys uh, that uh, it may not add to your life, as Jesus is saying, but evidence is showing that it definitely can take away. So how do we do that? Matthew 6.33 says that we got to seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. And everybody, if I can tell you a secret, if, if I can tell you a secret right now, everybody, uh, it is impossible to seek the Savior while we're staring at our circumstances. Yeah. And, and, and see, we seek Jesus. Why do we seek Jesus? We seek Jesus because he is our only hope. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes that, you will live. And so whether our current situation be sickness or financial pain or, or, or personal pain, 
personal insecurities or an uncertain future. Everybody, for those of us who are in Christ, no matter how bleak things may look right now, the happenings around you may have everyone else around you surprised, shocked, and shaken up, but we can walk around sure and secure as long as we place all of our cares and concerns in the hands of the unshakable, unstoppable, incredible Jesus. And when we come back, I'll share with you exactly just how we can do that. Got a question for you guys. Have we placed our hope and faith in worldly things that can be shaken or in eternal things that cannot be shaken? You know, when I was in college, a lot of you guys know um, I was drafted by uh, the Indianapolis Colts, um, played six seasons in the National Football League for the Colts, the Bears, and the Lions. And uh, when I was drafted uh, by the Colts back in <laughs> um, I still had two classes left to finish uh, my degree. And so after my third year playing for the Colts, uh, the season ended short enough uh, where I could literally enroll back in college and finish those two courses in order to get uh, my college degree, which is very important to me and, of course, my mom as well. And so um, I remember I did that, and I would drive everybody two hours one way from Indianapolis back to my college, Eastern Illinois University, uh, twice a week. So two hours there and two hours back, twice a week. Plus, everybody say plus. Yeah, I was working out four days a week, four hours a day for the Indianapolis Colts during our off-season work uh, training program. Plus, somebody say plus. Yeah, my wife was pregnant with our first child on bed rest. All the ladies out there was like, oh my goodness, I felt you. I felt you right there. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, it was crazy. So not only was I doing all this driving and studying, not only was I doing all this training, but, but when I was home after all of that, I was a cook. The baker, the candlestick maker, the chauffeur, the butler. I mean, somebody say pressure. I got a lot of stuff going on. And then, oh, one more thing. Plus, somebody say plus. For the final exam, everybody, I had to get two Bs or higher on the final to make sure that my GPA was high enough so that I could qualify to graduate. You want to talk about a brother that was worried? Yeah, I mean, it, it was real in that moment. I'm thinking, man, did I study hard enough? Man, am I gonna, am, am, did I just waste four months of my life because I'm not gonna get the grades in order to accomplish what I wanna accomplish? And so, everybody, I'm going through all of this stuff. I'm worried about this and I'm worried about that. And, and I sit down to take the first final. And everybody, for my students out there, I wonder if you can relate that you got all this stuff going on and they plop the test in front of you and your mind just, and, and that ever happened to anybody? Right, yeah, yeah. Now, now, question for you. Uh, anybody ever accidentally prayed? Have you, have you ever acted like, like you was like, oh my God, man. Like you, you said God's name. You weren't really meaning to pray. It was kind of like an accident. Have you ever accidentally prayed? Yo, that's what I did. I was like, man, oh God, what, what was the answer to this question? Lord, I studied this Jesus Christ. You know, I'm accidentally praying, right? This is, this is the truth. I wouldn't lie to you. Do y'all know God heard my accidental prayer? Heard my accidental prayer and answered me loud in my ear. He was like, oh, yeah, you know, that's the probability. It scared me. I was like, Whoa, who the? I'm from the west side. You can't just sneak up on me like that. And then I was like, oh, snap. That was God. And then I looked at the answer. And it was the right answer. Hey, y'all, I wrote it down. I went to number two. Hey, y'all, I got cute with it this time. I was like, 
You know, I don't know the answer to this question. Uh, Lord, can you help me? Because I know it's on the inside of me and I just need your help pulling out of me what's already in me. Yo, he answered me again. He was like, oh yeah, you know, that's the probability of such and such. I was like, oh my God. Why would not doing this back in the fifth grade, you know? But everybody, uh, I say that to say to you now, now while I was operating uh, in my worry and my stress about my final, man, I was jacked up. I was toe up from the flow up. I was exhibiting some of those issues that we talked about in the first half, right? Short-term memory loss, rapid breathing, inability to concentrate, poor job performance. But listen, as soon as I cried out to Jesus, Jesus reset my heart. Jesus regulated my mind. Jesus literally relaxed my body. I felt like I was on a massage table. He was like, I got you, baby. I, I, I've always been here, and I've just been waiting on you to tap me in so I could work in you and work through you and accomplish for you what you were incapable of doing on your own. Somebody ought to say amen. Yeah, and I want to ask you one more time. Have we placed our hope and faith in worldly things that can be shaken? or any eternal things that cannot be shaken. Hebrews 12, 28 says it like this. It says, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. Somebody say worship. Everybody, what is worship? Yeah, I know a lot of you, we think, you know, worship is raising our hands and oh, yeah, yeah, I, I get it. But there's a definition. Worship, everybody, is to show reverence and adoration for God or to something that represents God for us. And everybody, here's the truth. All of us have something in our lives that we reverence and adore that represent a God to us. The question is, is that object that we revere and adore shakable or unshakable? So I say worship. That word worship, everybody, in the Greek, particularly from um, Hebrews 12, 28, that word worship, everybody, literally means uh, it's the latruo, uh, the latruo. That literally means to minister uh, to God. Uh, that is by rendering religious homage or to serve. To minister to God by rendering religious homage or to serve. And so, everybody, uh, the question, everybody, is how do we worship? We know what worship is. Now, now, how do we worship? How do we minister? How do we render religious homage and serve God? I got three things for you really quickly. First, uh, true worship must come from the redeemed heart of a person who has chosen to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of sin. I'm going to say that again. True worship must come from the redeemed heart. Say redeemed. Yeah, of a person who has chosen to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of sin. And we talk about that word redeem. Redeem literally means to buy back. You do understand that because of original sin, um, our, our, our lives were literally purchased by the word and by the enemy. We sold our soul to, 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 to the world and to the enemy. And so Jesus had to come and do for us or we couldn't do for ourselves. We couldn't work our way out of it. We couldn't earn our way out of it. We couldn't buy our way out of it. So Jesus literally had to purchase our freedom through his blood when he sacrificed himself on the cross for our sin. And, and, and the fact that we embrace what Jesus did for us, knowing that there was no way out, 
We had no hope beside what Jesus did that puts us in position to freely worship. And we can't freely worship until we fully embrace the price that Jesus paid for our sin. So that's how we worship, number one. But number two, true worship of God, everybody, comes from a heart that desires him alone. A heart that desires him alone. And let me make sure I'm clear on this. Am I saying that there ain't anything else that we can desire other than God? Absolutely not. That's not what I'm saying. Now, now some of the super saved people, you just heard that and you're like, oh my God, Pastor Ray, that's blasphemy. No, 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 no. Let me give you some Bible. I got some Bible for you. Look, uh, in Genesis, we run into the father of our faith, Abraham. And can I tell you something, everybody? Abraham, who God called his friend, had a major desire. His wife, Sarah, was unable to have children. And more than anything else in the world, Abraham wanted to have a son. This dude who had on the outside everything, he had money. A beautiful wife, servants, stocks, uh, allies. Uh, he, he had a great name in the land. All of this was incomplete in his mind if he didn't have a son to carry on his family name. And after decades of trusting and believing God, everybody, God gave Abraham his heart's desire. He gave him a son who Abraham named Isaac only to years later have God show up and ask Abraham in Genesis chapter 22, verse 2. He says, take your son. He says, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will tell you. Literally, Abraham, take your son and kill him and offer him to me. Now, I need you to understand that it was less about Abraham and God requiring Abraham to sacrifice his son, kill his son, Isaac. It was less about that. But I think it's interesting that Abraham, out of obedience to what God called him to do, said to his servants, they actually literally got to the mountain. And in Genesis chapter 2, verse 5, Abraham says, stay here while I and the boy go over there. He says, watch this. We will, what does it say? Worship. And then we'll come back to you. And here's what I'm submitting to you. Clearly, everybody, Abraham thought of his obedience in this matter as an act of adoration or worship. What am I saying? Yes, worship is about lifting your hands in the sanctuary, singing to God a new song. Yeah, but worship is not just about what we sing or about what we say, but it's also about what we show. See, we can say all day long and sing until the, until the cows come home how much I love Jesus, how I adore him, how I praise him. But when the rubber meets the road and it's time to take what we say and what we sing and show it when we got issues and drama and situations happening in our life, what does our life show? Is what we show consistent with what we say and what we sing. See, I told you, it was never about God desiring Abraham to kill his son Isaac. It was all about revealing who was Abraham's ultimate desire. And the question that I have for you guys this weekend is, is there anything in your possession that if God asked you for it, you would deny him because of your desire for it over him? Everybody, that, my friends, is true worship. It is a heart that desires him alone, above everything else. That is above our careers, above our material possessions, above our money, above our health, above our families. That's worship. And finally, true worship 
is the desire to continue to build up our knowledge of God. True worship of God is a desire to continue to build up our knowledge of God. Everybody, uh, in Acts chapter 16, the Bible says that uh, the apostle Paul and Silas found themselves in a situation uh, where they were severely beaten, thrown into a dungeon, and their feet were clamped to the walls. And rather than stress out and worry and allow their minds to be preoccupied with the hopelessness of their situation, the Bible says in Acts chapter 16, verse 25, it says that at, at around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. And suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was what? Shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chairs and the chains of the prisoners fell off. Did you hear what I just said? Paul and Silas, everybody, instead of worrying about their situations, worshiped through their circumstances, and the very thing that had them weighed and chained down was shaken free. That's what happens when our knowledge of Jesus is ingrained within us that nothing else around us affects us. Because I said it before, it is impossible to worry about stuff when you're worshiping your Savior. There is literally no way you can focus on your provider and your problems at the same time because worshiping Jesus literally changes the atmosphere. And everybody, when we worship through worry, we demonstrate our confidence in an unshakable God to work through us and work for us what we are incapable of doing on our own. Our prayer, everybody, is that you can begin to experience an unshakable life as you worship through your worry. What a great time for us right now to worship in communion. If you would just grab the elements right now, take your solid, whatever that thing is, this bread, this chip, this cracker, whatever that is, this represents the broken body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who paid the price that we couldn't pay. Take and eat in remembrance of him. I wanna ask you now to grab your, your drink, whatever that is. Know that as we take the blood in, uh, know that the blood of Christ is over and on our entire life. So whatever it is you may be dealing with right now, know that our hope it's through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. Let's take the cup in remembrance of him. Let's continue to worship him each and every day. Not just in what we say, not just in what we sing, but how we show in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Just a reminder to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwire.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.